from Studio One at the worldwide headquarters of ESPN and from the ESPN studios at Pier 17 in the Seaport District of New York City, this is Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio and on Sirius XM Channel 80. Chris Paul is one of the biggest stars in the NBA. Chris Paul, the brand, resonates with fans and with players. But Chris Paul, the player, has now been moved on for Bradley Beal. And the question becomes, what's next for the superstar? Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80. Nick Friedel, I'm Jason Fitz. And superstar can mean different things here. I, I will I will absolutely say the play of Chris Paul today may not dictate the label of superstar, but the brand of Chris Paul certainly does. The conversation around Chris Paul certainly does. The image of Chris Paul, what it means to play to teams, to fans, when they hear Chris Paul is coming here, means something. And so it raises a real question about what's next for Chris Paul. Nick Ferdell. It seems like a simple answer when you look at it and say, well, okay, Chris Paul's going to figure out where he wants to go. The world is his oyster. But, I mean, is it that simple? Like, is Chris Paul still him to that level that going somewhere to be the oyster could actually result in a championship? No. Flatly, Mr. Fitz. And as far as the Chris Paul conversation goes, that's the new reality that I think he's not only in now, but he's been in the last couple of years. Chris Paul is going to the Hall of Fame. He's one of the most respected players still in the game. Chris Paul is not a difference maker on a team that has a legit chance to win a title in large part now because he cannot stay healthy when it matters the most. And whatever you think of Chris Paul at this stage of his career, what's inarguable is he just can't be out there. His body will not allow him to be out there consistently night after night. And it's one thing to miss a game or two in December or February. It's quite another when you get to the playoffs, Fitz, and you are missing major games where your team needs you. He's just not that type of player anymore. It's funny that you said your body won't allow. And it's a really well-chosen set of words by you because I keep thinking back to Stefania Bell, our ESPN NFL injury analyst, uh, does great work with fantasy football uh, I love talking to Stefania. And I was talking to her last year and she said, you know, so often we hear timelines and we have certain concepts about athletes and when they should be able to get back on the field to get back on the court. What we have to remember is that not everybody uh, can handle the same things. Not everybody heals the same way. And some people, even all the way down to, you can have thinner hamstrings, thinner tendons that snap more uh, uh, more quickly. Like there are, are physical things that lead to becoming injury prone on top of age issues that you can do nothing about. Like, I'm not ever going to sit here and say Chris Paul doesn't do everything he can to be on the court whenever he possibly can. Doesn't change the fact that at this point in his career, his body seems to be injury prone. And now you have to just decide if you're willing to deal with that when you acquire Chris Paul. For example, the Suns have decided they're willing to deal with Bradley Beal being injury prone because he also is. So it's a complication in the conversation. Complicated also is the trade itself. Chris Paul was on Good Morning America this morning, and this is what he said with that crew about how the trade went down to Washington. I'm driving in this morning and we got this ticker tape thing outside of our building. What did it and say? I see this potential blockbuster deal between you and Bradley Bill that may take you from Phoenix to Washington and vice versa. I was surprised. What are your first thoughts on that? 
I was surprised too. <laughs> <laughs> I found out on the plane yesterday flying here for this. You know, in this league, anything can happen, so you just figure out what's next. You literally found out on the plane. <laughs> Absolutely. Wow. What was your first reaction? Don't push him any further. He's trying to be nice about yeah, it. Yeah, he is, right? Yeah. What's happening? <laughs> I mean, he found out on the plane. In fairness, Nick, that can mean he got a text from his agent on the plane. I know you're flying, but like the NBA is not going to stop their whole calendar just to make sure that Chris Paul has landed and is a good spot for a phone call before they do these things. So, like, there is some wiggle room on that. This fits it's so fascinating to me in in part of this Chris Paul conversation because it ties into exactly the type of player in theory that Phoenix is going to have to go after now they have made the decision to move on from Chris Paul and go and make their future with Bradley Beal and Booker and Durant but who's going to have to fill up the end of the roster it's all these veteran guys who feel like this might be their last best chance to go and win a ring the reality for Chris Paul and sadly for Phoenix, the reality for the rest of that roster is fit. People fall in love with the name, the name brand. We've been talking about it all day. But the reality of the player that Chris Paul is now is that he's not going to make that much of a difference on your team night to night. And his body can't withstand the grind of an 82-game season and the playoffs. So people want to say, oh, my gosh, Chris Paul. We're going to get Chris Paul. Ask the Nets how that worked out when they got LaMarcus Aldridge and Blake Griffin and all these name brands who ended up, when push came to shove, not being in the rotation and not playing a heavy role at all. He's Nick Fernell. I'm Jason Fitz. Uh, so smart because when you think about this, we all know Chris Paul wants to play on the West Coast. That's been made very clear. Yep. Great. If Chris Paul wants, 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 chooses to go play for the Clippers or the Lakers, good for him. Like, that's spectacular. But what are either of those teams really getting? An injury-prone guard that can give him a few minutes here and there that you hope might during the playoffs be able to help you a little bit? That's it. Like, you're getting a, you're, you're getting a guy. You're not getting a guy. You're getting a guy. And if we allowed it to have that context... Great. You know, hey, I'm going to go get a few minutes out of Chris Paul. It's one of the reasons that I hate it. And we had this argument, uh, not you and I, but on this show, when I first started uh, this show earlier this year, there was a, a conversation about, did Chris Paul need to win a title for his legacy? And my conversation, the reason that sticks to me is because, like, okay, what's that title look like? If Chris Paul's the third guy coming off the bench playing, you know, a, a minimal number of minutes and not really a contributor, but he happened to win a ring, now suddenly I have to see him differently because, well, he did get that championship at the end of his career. Like, come on, what are we doing here at this point? Like, Chris Paul is now who he's going to be moving forward, which is just, you know, a, a, a player in the NBA that can give you a few minutes and he's going to come out and, and he's, it's amazing to watch somebody that has been as great as he is. I say it with tons of respect, but he's not coming out now being a top 10 top 20 top 30 guy in the NBA he's just one of the guys in the NBA he is a future hall of famer who's at the end of his career and fits the parallel to me and we watched it when Peyton Manning retired it was Peyton Manning with the Broncos everybody focused on oh Peyton Manning Peyton Manning can still do some stuff and make some plays Peyton Manning at the end of that Denver tenure was done and that defense with Vaughn Miller carried him across the line, and they won. And it speaks exactly to your point, because is there still a chance that Paul could re land in the right situation 
and whatever team, whether it was the Clippers, the Lakers, somewhere else, everything could come together and they could win? Sure, I guess so. But Chris Paul, as a difference maker within the top tier of that group, isn't going to be anywhere close to the guy that you're leaning on night after night. You have to embrace him for what he is now, not what he was before. Which is also important to your point because, to your point regarding Peyton Manning, when we talk about that Broncos championship to this day, we still talk about it with context. Mm-hmm. And, and that's that's key. We haven't lost the context on how Peyton won that Super Bowl. I don't think we would lose the context now if Chris Paul was a nominal player on a team that won a championship. That That's the important part of this conversation that's not going to go anywhere. I mean, again, the Suns felt strongly enough about where Chris Paul is at this point in his career, to say it very bluntly, that they decided it was worth taking on $50 million a year to get injury-prone Bradley Beal. That, that, that speaks everywhere to, to everything that they think about Chris Paul. Now, where Chris wants to go is something that, by the way, we will be talking about tomorrow, not just on this show, but directly with Chris Paul. He is currently scheduled to join us tomorrow at one fifteen Eastern time. You do not want to miss that. We will ask Chris straight up where he wants to go. He is scheduled to join us tomorrow on this show. We're the only show tomorrow on ESPN Radio. You'll be able to hear Chris Paul talk directly to us. That is tomorrow, one fifteen Eastern. We will ask him. We'll ask him the tough questions of where he wants to go, what's next, and what he thinks of all of this legacy conversation. In the meantime, Chris Paul is not the only future Hall of Famer who could be ring-chasing this offseason. We'll break it down next. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio. Nick Friedle in for Harry Douglas. I'm Jason Fitz. We're also on the ESPN app. Fitz and Harry, the podcast. Adrian Warzanowski reports that three-time All-Star Bradley Beal will be traded to the Phoenix Suns. There was much less of an appetite around the league to take on a contract of a player who's going to be making 50, 53, $57 million in the last three years of his deal. That combined led them to Phoenix. The deal is a game changer. It's like when Kevin Garnett went to Boston. It was a wrap the minute that that trade happened. It feels very similar to that. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80. Nick Friedle, in for Harry Douglas. I'm Jason Fitz. Oh, Fitz. I, I feel like I have just taken a ride back into my 97 Explorer, mm-hmm. and I'm trying to get my girl Kim on a date with me, and she's like, no, sorry, you're in the friend zone, and I'm trying to sing every word to this song. Ah. Wow. You know, that's one of the weird things about music for a second here that I think is so interesting too. Like a small age gap makes a big difference in the song memory. I've found this many times. Like, cause there are songs in the mid nineties that, you know, like if you, if you turn around, you're like in the mid nineties, by my age, like I might be a soundtrack. I was doing the hibbity dibbity too. But then if you're dating somebody that's a few years younger than you, like just, just a few years younger, all of a sudden it's like, oh, I remember that at my, like when I was in high school, that person a few years younger might've been in like an eighth grade or whatever. So I remember that from my middle school days. It gets so weird when you start looking at like a four year age difference oh, and yeah. what it can mean for what a song memory is. It's like, oh, 
I remember that song playing, and then somebody else has a much. Oh, I remember that at the theme park. It's like it's wildly different. So I, you know, I've it got changes quickly. Yeah, it does change quickly. Devin, were you even? When was when was Devin born? For Devin, were you? Were you, were you born in? Ninety one. Okay. Okay. Uh, Evan, the gap is there. Yeah, the, the, the gap is there. Evan, Evan, uh, you're, you're older. What year were you born in? Eighty four. Okay, eighty four. All right. All right. Just, just. Just checking the hibbity dibbity timelines. Uh, Fitz and Harry, ESPN Radio. I'm Jason Fitz, Nick hey, Fernell. Yeah. <laughs> I does. wish you had thrown a couple bucks on the hibbity dibbity <laughs> parlay before you left Vegas. Oh, that man. one would have paid big time. Oh, God. I also don't think determining when I was born, you could determine when I started doing the hibbity dibbity well, either. No, but you could get a range. I mean, you could get a hopeful range. You could get like an optimistic range, a realistic range. Take the and over. Take the <laughs> Take the over, baby. Imagine if that's what our phone lines were called, the hibbity dibbity phone. That's a different show, I think. Oh, my God. Oh, like, if you, if we great. just open it up to the phones for the rest of the day. It's like, give us the, the general timeline of when you think Evan hit, hit hibbity dibbity. Like, what song do you think was playing the first time, Evan? Okay. I've made so many people. Go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah. Old Town Row with 28. No, I'm just kidding. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. Evan's like, oh. I, I don't know. What was the, what did the weekend play during the Super Bowl halftime show? What was oh, my okay. wedding song? No. Oh, my God. <laughs> Speaking of rings, wedding over. rings. See what we did? Oh, over. Uh, where do the ring chasers go? Hear me out. All right. We, in a world of super teams, and we all understand that Chris Paul now to the Suns is going to be deemed a super team, but there's like a philosophy happening right now, Nick, and you've got to make a decision. If you are somebody that wants to get a ring, you've got to make a decision. Do you want to play for peanuts in the NBA landscape to try and be part of a super team that lacks depth with the Suns, but has the stars that if they're healthy could be unbeatable? Or do you look around the landscape and you see a team like Miami that seems to be building differently or Denver that is unequivocally built differently? Even I would argue Milwaukee, for example, while they've had some acquisitions, has been far more homegrown. homegrown. Are you looking at the homegrown solution right now? Like There are a handful of players right out, out there right now that feel like their services could help get a ring, but where they go is going to be wildly contested. Like I'm not sure the Lakers are suddenly some big advantage, right? Oh, I want to go play with LeBron to finish in third, fourth in the West. Like I, Ring Chaser is going to have decisions to make. Well, I can't remember a time where there's been more large decisions for that group to make fits because let's go back even 10, 12 years ago when Miami put its team together, everybody went, oh, well, Miami is not going to have a problem filling out the rest of this roster behind LeBron and Wade and Bosh because, one, you get to live in Miami, and two, you get to play with a team that is ready-made to go win right now. With the Warriors, David West comes to mind. There was always one or two slots for a team that was built immediately to go win. If you really want a ring, one, you're going to have to say to yourself, well, why wouldn't I just go to Denver? They just won. All their core guys are locked up for at least for the next few seasons. They've got Jokic. They are ready right away. But two, and this is the issue I think Phoenix is going to have. Fitz, if you are one of these veteran players, if you're a Chris Paul, aside from the fact that he just he got moved out of Phoenix, if you're Chris Paul, would you rather go to Phoenix where they're going to be pretty good and let's see if they can stay healthy, or would you rather go to Los Angeles where everybody loves to live and you get to still play with LeBron and AD in a setting that is going to have uh, a lot of different perks off 
the floor if you want to grow your business in a lot of different directions. So uh, more so than I can remember, there are a lot of different aspects to the decision that all these older players are going to have to make. But as you have pointed out, Nick, and it's really blowing my mind, what Phoenix actually is going to be looking for are Chris Paul's at this point. Like yeah. veteran players that may not have as much left to give in the tank, but they can give you what you need for valuable playoff minutes. They're going to be able to win uh, that are willing to take less to try and win a chance. They need Chris Paul, even though they're they're trading Chris Paul. Now, uh, the other big piece of news, obviously, today is that Draymond Green has opted out uh, with the, the Warriors. I should point out loudly for anyone that's not familiar, this is simply procedural. It doesn't mean that he is gone from the Warriors. It means that he's opening up his opportunity to negotiate elsewhere, which if you think you have a better deal somewhere, can be a very smart thing. So instead of taking the guaranteed 28-ish million dollars, he's at least looking around and saying, I want to check out my options before I decide to stay here. Mike Dunleavy Jr. is the new Warriors general manager. Uh, Nothing like uh, being put to the fire right away. Just moments ago at his press conference, this is what he had to say to the world about Draymond opting out. I saw the report too. Until we get the paperwork in the filing, we can't really comment or say much. So um, I will say, I think Steve has said it, I'll reiterate, we really want Draymond back. Um, What he means to this organization, this team, in terms of trying to win at the highest level, uh, we we, we feel like we have to have him. Um, So that's very important. I mean, I don't know what else he's going to say. Like, uh, Nick, I don't think he's going to come up there and be like, Draymond who? Uh, or like, eh, not really worried about him or, you know, uh, the, the, what I really wish he would have said is the total punch. It was just a punch to the face to get that sort of a notification right before my first press conference. But realistically, nothing else he can say. And that's the issue, Fitz. And he's right. And he's one in a long line of NBA personnel who says, oh, well, we haven't seen the paperwork. It's not official. So I am not touching that. So in that regard, Dunleavy passed his first test as, far as getting through all the <laughs> the, the semantics right. of a press conference of of being the front office lead executive because uh, he's going to be faced with that a lot. But again, the Warriors understand if they want to keep the window open. And Bobby Marks mentioned this to us earlier in the show. If you lose Draymond, there's a good chance if he were to walk, you just lose him for nothing. The Warriors aren't going to let that happen. Joe Lacob, who has invested billions into that team isn't going to let that happen. So in the end, Draymond's going to get paid and it would be a true shock if he ended up anywhere other than playing with the Warriors moving forward. The other part of it, not only does he walk for nothing, but it accelerates the Warriors process of having to look at whether or not they're building for something in the future. And right now that's a hard sales pitch to Clay and to Steph and also separating any of them through this process uh, will only allow everyone to then say, well, uh, do I want to look at other options or should I be looking at other options? Like, I'm not sure the Warriors right now want to accept that they would have to just shut this window, shut this chapter, right? It, it just seems that like that would be abrupt. More likely than not, as you pointed out, they're all going to come back. Coming up, there's one superstar whose future gets cloudier and cloudier every time his team wins. And that's unusual. What's it mean? We'll break it down with an expert. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. Fitz and Harry, the podcast.
Shohei swings at this one, blasts the ball deep out into right center field. It is out of here. Otani connects a two-run homer right there. And on this Father's Day, it is showtime. Here's Trout swinging and hitting a ball high and deep out into left center, and it's Trout of here. Back-to-back homers on back-to-back pitches. That's Angels Radio AM 830 on the call. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80. I'm Jason Fitz. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. I got questions. I need answers. And that means I need Jeff Passam. The great Jeff Passam joining us on the show right now. Jeff, thanks for the time, man. I really appreciate it. Uh, We were having a conversation before the show about Shohei. Here's what's interesting. All he's doing is what he's been doing, which is kicking ass, and we know that. But now the Angels are winning, right? That's the variable here none of us were ready for. So at this point, with the Angels winning, what does it mean for Shohei and his future with the team? Well, I think it at least gives them a fighting chance once he hits free agency this offseason, especially if they make the playoffs this year. I mean, if this is just going to be another Angels season, Jason, that – ends with them sort of in that muddled middle where they don't make the playoffs, but they don't have a high draft pick, then, I mean, there's nothing more frustrating than just being in the middle, right? Uh, but they're eight games over 500 now. They're in second place in the American League West behind the Texas Rangers. Um, you know, they look like they can hit a little bit, and they're doing this without Mike Trout having a Mike Trout season. And, they're pitching just enough. You know, their bullpen this year has been very, very good, from Carlos Estevez closing out games to Chris Davinsky, Matt Moore, Jaime Berea, uh, you know, Jacob Webb. Like, they, they've had a solid bullpen, which is something they haven't had in years past. So I, I think that the comfort that Shohei Otani has with the Los Angeles Angels cannot be undersold. But I also think his desire to win is high enough where if the Angels aren't in a position to do so and do so regularly going forward, then, of course, he's going to explore going somewhere else. So, I mean, you mentioned free agency, but there's also the concept of hitting the trade deadline. And if everything was going he's to not, he's not getting Jason, he's not getting traded anywhere. Like at this point, the Angels are too good to even consider it. I, I don't think the Angels are good, by the way. I think the Angels are fine. I don't think they're a threat to win the World Series right now, but uh, at this point, uh, I think it's off the table that he would move by August 1st because they would have to have some kind of a collapse between now and then in order to do that. And granted, this is an organization that I believe lost 13 or 14 in a row at some point last year. So, uh, you know, with the Angels, nothing's out of the realm of possibility. It just doesn't seem like a very good possibility to me that that's going to be the case. We're talking to Jeff Passon on Fitz and Harry. I'm Jason Fitz on ESPN Radio. So who's in the mix in this offseason for him? Uh, I think the Dodgers are going to be at the front of the line. I think the Mets are going to be in there. The Yankees should be in there. Um, well, frankly, 30 teams should be. But I think the, the vast majority know that uh, he's going to cost between 500 and $600 million and are not prepared to go out and guarantee that to just one player, even though that one player is essentially two players. Uh, you can put the Giants in there. I think the Mariners are at least going to – kick the tires the Chicago Cubs will do the same thing but uh, I think in the end it's probably going to be one of the major teams on a coast it's funny because you mentioned you know no all teams should be in when you talk about that 
amount of money. We all know the Oakland days aren't in because they don't spend money. But I, hmm. I, I was excited to talk to you today because specifically I was in Vegas over the weekend. And we all know at this point that Vegas has uh, now passed through state legislation and has been signed off on by the state, a move that could move Oakland to Las Vegas. But there are still plenty of speculation that that doesn't mean that the, the move is done on the A's portion or on Major League Baseball's portion. Like, how confident are you right now that the A's are headed to Vegas? I'm pretty confident that the A's are going to Vegas. Uh, the only step that needs to be taken between uh, now and that actually happening is the owners voting for it. And unless there's something just completely off with their relocation plan, and uh, it, listen, leave it up to the A's to, to screw up something. But um, I, I don't foresee that happening here. I'm curious, though, and I, I hate to be the guest that takes over as the host of the show, but you have more insight into this than me with uh, your relationship with Las Vegas and having been there. Um, does anyone there actually want the A's? Uh, and I don't want to say indifference, but I don't think there's a level of excitement. I mean, here's no. what... Yeah. No, indifference is the right word. At least, the, it, listen, we we all have, uh, you know, the the... I don't know if it's a desire, but we all have the instinct to uh, converse with a friend or two and suddenly take his or her perspective and extrapolate it out to being representative of an entire giant major metropolitan area. So uh, I'm not going to take the conversations I've had with Vegas residents and say that they're representative of the population around them. But the people I talk with there, my friends who live there, they tell me like nobody really cares like they care about the knights because they were the first team to come in they care about the raiders because it's the nfl but the a's there's just indifference it's just like yeah okay cool we got a big league team that's great we also have two others and uh, you know the nba expanding there is a fait accompli at this point so why do we care <laughs> i mean you raise a valid point and and look that echoes the sentiments that i i felt when i was there i the, the Golden Knights certainly work, and, you know, they work from a local perspective. And maybe baseball yeah. will lo- work from a local perspective eventually. But I- will, will, base- will baseball work from a local perspective if the stadium's on the Strip? Like, people who live on the outskirts of Vegas avoid the Strip like the plague, do they not? They do, but the Golden Knights are on the Strip also, and they've managed to figure it out. Like, I, that's, uh, but yeah, again... They're, they're, they're strippish. They're strip-adjacent. This is like on the Strip. And and I know in the half dozen times I've been to Vegas in the last, like, 10 years or so, the one thing I hate about it and truly, truly hate about it is driving on the Strip. It takes 10 minutes to go 10 feet. Yeah. No, you're you're not wrong. We're talking to Jeff Passan uh, on Fitz and Harry. So what did you make of Rob Manfred? Because, I, like, look, as, as somebody with no dog in this fight, I, I'll just be honest with you. I thought Manfred came across really tone deaf. Uh, did I overreact in your yeah. mind to his comments? No, I thought it was the worst press conference or the worst press uh, availability he's had since he told Carl Ravitch that the World Series trophy is a piece of metal. I think it's, I, I think the, the way, especially it was the answer, uh, it wasn't even a question really about the reverse boycott in Oakland. And he essentially said, well, congratulations to Oakland fans for one day of the year having an average-sized Major League Baseball crowd. And, you know, it's, listen, I think fundamentally the point that he's trying to make is not entirely incorrect, right? Like uh, Oakland fans do not come to the ballpark right now. 
But why don't they come to the ballpark? They don't come to the ballpark, one, because the Oakland Coliseum is a dump, but they don't come to the ballpark especially because John Fisher, the owner of the Oakland A's, has systematically disassembled that team. And the product that's on the field every day stinks. Why would you go and put money in the pocket of somebody who's taken something that's so near and dear to your heart and absolutely ravaged it, and on top of that is planning on taking that thing away from you? Of course A's fans aren't going to the stadium right now because ownership gives them no reason to. And loyalty is a two-way street, Jason. And in the loyalty shown from John Fisher to the Oakland A's fan base, is negligible if not non-existent. It, it's a really weird situation to be in because the, the last comment I'll make on this from a Vegas standpoint is that I don't think a bad team can go into a market and have success there long term. I think if the, yep. Ra- the Raiders yep. are struggling because of it. I think if the A's go in, and frankly, Jeff, they suck for the next decade, man, you are not going to win that city over and then they're going to be relocating again. It's just... It's inevitable. What's also inevitable is that I will be texting you constantly to ask if it's still happening. Uh, Jeff, always appreciate your insight. Thanks for your brilliance, brother. I appreciate you. Talk to you soon, pal. Take care. Jeff Passan. Uh, Fitz and Harry presented by Progressive Insurance. Progressive Commercial Insurance flexes to fit your business's needs. From quick repairs to adjustable coverages and even payment options, Progressive Commercial makes it easy to get what you need. Quote today in as little as six minutes. Just six minutes at Progressive Commercial. Coming up, something even more combustible than the A's situation in Oakland. We'll tell you about it next. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio. Fitz and Harry, the podcast. In all my years covering the league, and I'm going on my 15th season here coming up, I can't remember a tighter rope that a team is going to have to walk in order to win. Because what the Suns did by making this move was they they pushed every chip that they have left. (laughs) Every draft pick, every pick swap. They pushed it all in and they said, Bradley Beal is the missing piece. But where I disagree with Perk, and I would disagree with anyone who believes that this Suns team is ready-made to win a title now coming into the year, is the depth is not there. What crushed this team in the playoffs? We just watched it fit. Three hours later. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80. Nick Friedle, Jason Fitz. Uh, the more I listen to it, the more I think about it, the more I just, like, congratulations. Phoenix fans, you should be super excited because when you buy 2K this year and you go to play the video game version of basketball, your team's going to be even better. But when the season's done, you're still going to be watching somebody else lift the Larry O'Brien. Like, th- this is so simple to me. At some point, we can continue to look at it and say, oh, stars make it all, stars make it all. But, Nick, like they don't. And we've seen the death of super teams in the recent results when it comes to NBA championships. I don't know why suddenly now is the moment, again, we're out here chasing stars like it's going to make the difference in the end. Well, Fitz, 
how do you improve a team at, in this era of the NBA on top of everything else? You trade your picks. You need an extra player. You trade a pick. You need to package somebody or some contract that you don't necessarily like. You add a pick. You use picks as currency more at this time in the league than at any other point that I can remember. What in the world is Phoenix going to do if somebody were to have an injury? If if somebody goes down and there's not another reliable option on the roster, that's the real problem to me. It's it's not it's not that Bradley Beal isn't going to help them make them better. He will. It's that when you watch the Phoenix Suns over the course of the last month or so when they were still playing, did anyone look at that team and say, you know what, they're one piece away. If they could just get a guy like Bradley Beal, that would be enough. Who thought that? Well, and, and I know the next follow-up is going to be what happens with DeAndre Ayton, but to your point, you know the other thing we're going to be saying in a seven-game series? Man, they're asking so much of these three guys. Too many minutes. Like, these are inevitable conversations. Next year on ESPN Radio, we'll be sitting on this damn show, and when the Suns are losing the series to the Nuggets, we're going to say, well, and, and KD has played 46 minutes in back-to-back games. He can't do that. they got to get somebody that can spell these guys. Like, these are the inevitable conversations we know are going to exist because they don't have anybody else to get. Like, you got one night of a tweaked hamstring. You got one night of too many minutes. You got one night where somebody's got the poops. I don't care. You got one night where somebody's got foul trouble because the refs are calling the game tight. You're done. It's it's why I'm I'd be really nervous if I were a Suns fan today because I don't see how you can count on all three of these guys being able to stay healthy. Forget the regular season over the course of a postseason where you need everybody to be in place playing at a high level. If one of these guys goes down for any stretch, it is over. It's over, and there's no guarantee fits even if they all stay healthy. And even if they play 44 minutes every night in the postseason, that that is enough. And that's why I respect the fact that Matt Ishbia came in and he wants to make a splash and he wants to get star players on his team and re-energize a fan base that really seemed to rally around this group even a couple years ago when they were two wins away from a championship. But Fitz... When you make these moves and you go all in and you look and realize that this is your team for better or worse for the next few seasons, good luck to you because there's not enough wiggle room to do something else now. Sometimes when you put gas on a fire, it burns too hot and it flames out. And I understand when owners come in, new owners, I don't care what the sport is, the first thing a new owner comes in is they want to re-energize. They want to re-energize. You you use that word so perfectly, and it's something that I think becomes sort of ingrained in their heads in these meetings. They're sitting in a boardroom saying, we got to re-energize the fan base. We got to, You know what really re-energizes the fan base? Winning long-term. All right, and, and the way you do that is a patient-building approach. It, it, you, look, if you want to re-energize everybody, oh, my mic, I don't know, my mic's not working. I can't hear me. Oh, there I am. Never mind. If you want to re-energize a fan base at the beginning of, or you want to re-energize yourself, I should say, at the beginning of the year, you know how you do that? Like if you're trying to lose weight, you go in and all of a sudden you lose weight really fast. You're like, oh, everything's fine. But then the minute you start eating food again, you're no longer energized. At some point, you have to actually turn around and do the work long-term, right? You got to turn around and you got to actually lose weight a little bit at a time, a little bit at a time. And long-term, the gains are actually what you need. That's what teams have to do in team building. At some point, you just got to do the 
right thing. Takes a long time. I'm sorry. Building a championship takes a long time. Look at Denver. Look at Denver. Fitz, let's go back even a few more years. Look at Milwaukee a few years ago with allowing Giannis to grow and Middleton and making the one big move for Holiday on top of the bench pieces that they had. Look at the Warriors. They had Steph. They had Draymond. They had Clay. They made the move for Andrew Wiggins. But that was taken over a decade. They allowed those guys to build together. And let's look at what happened a week ago. Denver allowed Jokic. Was patient with Murray after he blew out his knee. You added pieces around them that you believed fit. In their case, the big piece was Aaron Gordon, who was so supremely talented in that final series defensively and gave them a push on the offensive end. You gave a group a window and a runway to allow them to get better and better. Phoenix is the new store-bought team that has a lot of shiny pieces and a lot of big names, but they don't have time to allow it all to come together. On top of the fact, Fitz, that in all three of those cases, Milwaukee, Golden State, and Denver, they had bench pieces that had been there for a while that had been able to grow in the system while adding a couple here and there, notably a guy like Bruce Brown. What in the world does Phoenix have that they trust moving forward to allow them to think that with these three guys, they're going to be able to have the depth they need? Again, it's like the weight loss conversation. You can wake up one day and say, man, how'd you lose that 30 pounds? And like, you did that in two weeks. It's unbelievable. Six months later, where's that person usually? Versus the person that you wait, you walk up three, three years later and you're like, man, you look different. Well, I took care of myself over time. I started eating right. Over time, I started going to the gym. Over time, I started doing all the little things. And now everything's much different. Like, I just... It feels like we forget that with teams, no matter what organization we're talking about, no matter what sport we're talking about, Nick, with teams, at some point, if you want to win, you just got to take the right approach day to day. Sometimes patience is better than aggression, and I feel fits that that will be the story of this particular Suns team. But it's going to be a much more fun video game to play, that's for sure. That's about the only way it's going to win for the Suns. I'm just saying, hot takes galore. Nick Friedel, we appreciate you hanging out for Harry, obviously, today. You are the best, my friend. Uh, Kenny and Carlin coming up next. They'll keep breaking down all the big news. Thanks for listening to Fitz and Harry. You've been listening to the Fitz and Harry podcast. You can listen to the guys live weekdays from noon to 3 Eastern on ESPN Radio. And you can watch on the ESPN app.